So we're continuing in our series through the book of Galatians, and really we're just taking a look at, now that we've made this decision to follow Jesus, and we've been recipients of his grace and his mercy upon us, now how is it that we live in the freedom that Christ won for us on the cross, and keep from going back to the old life that we lived before we had our encounter with Jesus? And for me, it's sort of like this story of when Ann and I first got married. Uh, we, it was a new home. It was new construction. We moved into it. Nobody had lived in there before. And it was in the middle of this field. And the problem with living in the middle of a field is that there's field mice. And apparently our home looked a lot better to them than the little holes that they lived in in the ground. So it's this big, beautiful, just like we love this house and we had built it so it was special to us. And I remember the first day, I'm like pulling out looking for some, you know, Cheerios or something. No, it was probably Captain Crunch. That's more my style. Um, and I remember seeing these droppings, and I'm like, what on earth is this? And I'm like, Anna, there's a mouse in her house. I was like, no, this cannot happen. I built this with these two hands. And when a mouse comes in, what they do is they never just stay one mouse. They always multiply rapidly. And like, you have one mouse for one day, and then you have a hundred mice the next day. And so even though mice are kind of cute and they're, they're fuzzy and all that stuff, you know what's going to happen if you allow that mouse to continue to live in your home. So I went out and I bought these live traps because I don't have the heart to kill anything. Uh, I tried to be a hunter when I was 14. I shot a squirrel and I cried uncontrollably. Uh, so uh, when you grow up in the country like I did, your mother's really nice. And she's like, oh, you just have a tender heart. Uh, that's the nice way of saying that you're a super wuss. But I couldn't, like I can't kill animals. So I go out and I spend all this money on buying these live traps because I got to get rid of these mice before they multiply and destroy the home that we're living in. And I set out the live trap and, you know, nothing. And then I like, put some peanut butter in there and then there's like three mice in it the next day. And so I take them outside. You know, I walk down my porch, walk to the edge of the yard and I, you know, open the little door and release them back into the field. And I'm like, there, I'm a good person. Am I not a great person? I found a way to preserve life and save the home all at the same time. My mom was right. I really am special. And so, like, a couple days later, though, there's more droppings in the house. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, these mice came back in. And so I set out the live traps again, and I catch them. And this time there's, like, five mice, and I take them all way out, like, into the field. I'm like, guys, I'm returning you to the home from which you came. Like, I'm sparing your life. Let's, let's, this is a deal here. I'm not going to kill you, but you can't come back. And so I let them go in the middle of the field, and a couple days later, I have mice in my house again. And so now it's wintertime, and our driveway is about 1,000 feet long. There's a big hill and everything that goes down, and there's these huge snow banks built up. So I catch the mice, and I take them all the way down to my neighbor's yard this time. I'm thinking, like, <laughs> they're going to see this house, and they're going to go over there. And so I let the mice go at the end of the driveway, and I'm kind of like, go to my neighbor's yard, and they all take off right like back between my legs, all the way up the driveway and into the garage before I even get back. I'm like, these stupid mice beat me back to my own home. And then I decided, like, I got to kill every single mouse that there is. Because there's no way that you can get rid of them without just killing them. So if you're dealing with mice today, you have pastoral approval to use lethal means to get rid of them. <laughs> but here's the thing. Is you guys ever experienced that in the new life that God's called you to? When you made that decision to follow Jesus and he forgave your sins and he called you into a new life, it was like you moved into that new, beautiful home. But then something happened. One of the sins that you had been freed from pops up. You start thinking, where'd this come from? 
And it might look cute and fuzzy like a little mouse. Sometimes it might even give it a little bit of a hug a little bit too long and embrace it. But what happens is if you allow that sin to come back into your life, it multiplies and it begins to destroy that new life that God has called you to and that new life that he has given to you. So then the question becomes for us is, uh, how is it that we, do we keep from going back to that old way of living? Because for every single one of us as believers, uh, you have that incredible mountaintop experience of being a recipient of God's grace and knowing how great his love is for you. And you start out following after him as earnestly as you can because there's a love for God inside of you. And it makes you want to break away from the old way that you were living that was dishonoring, displeasing to God and brought destruction to you. And now you want to live in a new way that's pleasing to him because of how much love you have in your heart for him. But some of the things from your old life keep popping up. And what happens is we try to treat it like that mouse where you want to live trap it. And we take it out, like, okay, I got rid of this sin. And then a couple days later, it's right back and you're doing it again. Like, okay, I just got to get, you know, throw it farther away. But it keeps coming back and it keeps coming back. We have to figure out how is it that we can break free once and for all. Because just like last week, we were talking about that now we're living in this tree of life instead of the knowledge of good and evil. You're living in a new life that God has called you to. But the temptation is always to go back to the old way. Even if you don't want to, but when sin comes into your life, the things that God has freed you from, what happens is it begins to destroy that life that now God has called you to. It begins to cause distance between you and God and the new relationship that you've been adopted into as his son or as his daughter. And if you allow that sin to continue to multiply inside of your life and never really deal with it, then eventually it will destroy that life that God's called you to. It will destroy the purpose and the calling that he has placed on you. And you will find yourself in a position of where you're struggling with guilt and shame and condemnation because you tasted and you saw how good God was and how good the life is that he called you to, but you've walked away from it. So how is it that we keep from going back to that old way of living? It says this in Galatians 2, 20. My old life has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And what Paul's talking about here is that old self. He's saying that not only did Jesus go to the cross bearing your sins to pay the penalty for them, but that old you that used to live in the slavery and bondage to sin, that identity that you had as someone who was a slave to sin, who was a sinner, Jesus took that to the cross as well. That old self, that old way that you live, he didn't just take your sin, he took that old identity, that old way of life that you had, and he took it to the cross. That old you died on the cross with Christ, was buried with Christ, but instead of being raised to life with Jesus, it stayed in the ground. That old you is dead. It's no more. Sometimes we got to have a funeral for ourselves. we got to recognize that that old way I used to live, that's no more. I can't keep trying to live in the way that God has called me to in the old way that I used to live. There has to come a point where I say, in order for me to receive the new life that God has called me to, there has to be the crucifixion, the death, and the burial of the old me and the old way that I used to live. Because these two things can never exist together. All the desires of God that are inside you because of your love of God are diametrically opposed to the desires of the old you. 
You have to make the choice to say, that old me has to die. For me to receive the fullness of the new life that I've been called to, there has to be a death and a burial of the old me. And here's what happens is when you do that, it says it's not you who lives anymore, but it's Christ lives in me. What happens is the old you is replaced with God. It says that God himself comes and he dwells inside of you. And now the motives and the desires of your heart aren't the motives and the desires of the old life that was dominated by sin, but now it's the godly desires that Jesus himself has are being played out and worked out inside of your heart. And that can be a scary thing, because here's what I've noticed, is that some of the desires that God has for me aren't always the things that naturally would come to me. In fact, a lot of times the God desires that are in me because of Christ in me are scary things that he calls me to do, things that I naturally would not have done, things that I never would have thought of on my own ability, but God has called me to this. And that also means that now I have to submit myself to the lordship of Christ inside of my life and allow him to be the one who leads me and guides me. And then what we can do is we can live this life trusting in Jesus. Because we continue to live. It's not that you made a decision to follow Jesus and now you, you go up to heaven immediately. You're still a life that you're called to here on this earth. But that life that you've been called to is lived by the power of Christ in you, not by the old you just trying to make that old you a better person. The old you has to die so that Jesus can come and dwell inside of you, give you new power, and give you new desires, give you new passions inside of your life, an entirely new way to live. And when you do that, it leads you into an entirely new life. A life not lived on your own power or your own leading, but a life empowered by Jesus with the leading of God himself in you. That's what that means. We've been crucified with Christ. That old us is dead. That old us is gone. And now Christ lives in us. And all of the benefits that come from having Jesus live in us. And now we can live trusting in Jesus. And the reason that we can trust him when we don't understand what it is that he's calling us to do, when we don't even agree with what it is that he's called us to do sometimes, if you guys ever had that, where you know God's calling you to do something, you're like, no way. Jesus, that is a terrible idea. I've done that. I mean, I'm honest, honest enough to say there are times when I'm, I don't even agree with what it is that I read in the Bible, and I'm like, there's no way. Like, there's got to be some kind of a, you know, there's got to be some notes in here somewhere I can find that'll make it match up to what I want it to be because it doesn't always match up. But I can always follow Jesus even when I don't understand it, even when I don't see the way, even when I don't agree with what it is that Jesus is speaking because I have a trust in him. He's never going to lead me into destruction. He's never going to lead me into sin. He's only going to lead me into blessings. He's only going to lead me into the fullness of the purpose that I was created for. And he demonstrated how trustworthy he is on the cross. It says that he died and he gave himself for us. I can trust someone that does that for me. Even when I don't understand. Even when I don't agree. Even when it doesn't make sense in my own mind. I can live this life that he's called me to with a trust in him. Because that old me, I know where that takes me. The things that I did that seemed right to me, I saw what happened when I followed after that. And it wasn't where I wanted to be. I have to die. That old me has to die and has to stay buried and can't come back. Because the only way I keep from allowing sin to dominate my life and going back to the old way of living 
is if I am truly crucified and allow Jesus now to live in me and to lead me. In fact, the only way that you can even have life is to die. It says this in Matthew 16, 21 through 25. And this is Jesus. He's been with them for almost three years now with his disciples. He's been telling them about everything that he's going to do. And now he's preparing them for the end game. He's about to fulfill all of that which he came to do. The plan that God had before the world even was created now, it's entering into the end stages of this plan. And so he's preparing them for this. And he says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned around and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now think about, I mean, what's going on in Peter's mind here? First of all, even if you disagree with Jesus, it's never a good idea to rebuke Jesus. (laughs) The guy that turned a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish, enough to feed 5,000, the guy that walks on water and raises the dead, What do you think he can do to you if he gets mad at you? That is some bold. That's Peter, though. He is bold. But here's why he does this. It says, when Jesus calls you Satan, that's a bad day. You have, like, you don't see bumper stickers. You don't see anybody whose life verse is, Satan, get thee behind me. Like, that's not something. I'm sure if Peter had written this gospel, you're like, we're going to omit that one. That wasn't casting me in the best light. But Jesus builds his church upon this person that he has to you know, correct in this way. So it's awesome to see how redemptive and restorative God is. But this is what happened. This is how Peter found himself in that position. Is he is expecting Jesus to come and to give him the life that he wants. He thinks that his Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, is going to overthrow Rome. He's going to make him rich. He's going to make him wealthy and healthy and wise and all of these other things. Jesus is coming to give him a good life in the eyes of the culture that's around us, in the eyes of our carnal self. He doesn't understand the great blessing that Jesus is really trying to pour out on him by going to the cross and being raised from the dead. Peter can't even understand this because he's being led by the old self. And the desires of the old self and the desires of Jesus are opposed to each other. How many times have we rebuked Jesus without even knowing it? Because we said, no, Jesus, this isn't the way that it should be. Jesus, this is what you're really supposed to do. Jesus, I can't follow after that. Jesus, I can't go along with this. When we do that, what we're doing is we're rebuking Jesus and telling him, you're not doing it right. And when we do that, we align ourselves with Satan. And that's not something that's happy to think about, but that's what happens here. When we buy into the lies and the desires of the old self and allow that to be the motivation and the direction for our life instead of allowing God, even in times, like how could it have made sense to Peter that Jesus must die? That makes no sense. He didn't understand what it was that was going to happen. And that's the way it is for us so many times. What God's called us to doesn't make sense. We don't understand. It doesn't seem right. But we have to be obedient to the leading of God in our life. Otherwise, what we're doing is we're becoming a Peter who's rebuking Jesus. And I never want to be someone who opposes the plan of God in anyone's life or in my life or in what it is that he wants to do inside of this church, in this city, inside of my family, all of these things. 
And so then, after Jesus smacks Peter down metaphorically, he says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. If you want life, it means that you have to die. There has to be a funeral for the old you that was led by the old sinful desires and passions and ways of thinking. If we really want to live, it means that we must die. There's no other way for you to live out God's call and his plan and his purpose on your life. In Romans 6, 6 6-7, it says this, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. This is the reason that we have to die because the only way that you can be freed from the power of sin in your life, from allowing yourself to go back to the old way of living, is to have yourself die for you to be crucified so that you can be freed from the power of sin over you. And the reason that we have to crucify ourselves and receive freedom is because we know without a doubt where our old life leads us. We know without a doubt what's going to happen to us when we choose to live out according to the old desires, to the old leading of the way that we used to think, the way that we used to act and used to behave. Every single time we know what the result of that is going to be inside of our lives. There's no question about it. It's always going to produce destruction inside of us. It's always going to produce distance relationally between us and God. That is what happens every single time. And that's why we have to be crucified because we have to be freed from the old way of living. We have to be freed from the old desires, the old way that we used to think. We need the freedom that only Christ can bring us, and the only way that we can receive that freedom is when the old us dies and we receive new life through Jesus. So how do we live that crucified life? In Scripture, there are three different ways that it talks about uh, crucifixion of self. And the first one is it says that we have to crucify ourself. And what that means is when you made that decision to follow Jesus, you said, Jesus, your way is better than my way. The life I'm living isn't working. I don't want to live according to my leading and my desire anymore. I humble myself before you. I submit myself to you. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I'm following after you. That was the decision that brought us into a right relationship with Jesus, that we could receive his forgiveness and the benefits of his grace. And it's also the way that we continue to live on. It means that every day we have to come back and we have to say, Jesus, once again this day, I submit myself to you. 1 Corinthians 15.31 says this. Paul writes them and says, I die daily. Every single day. See, what happens is there's a walking dead thing going on. You might die and that old you keeps trying to get back out of the grave. Every time that old you keeps trying to come back to life. And that's why Paul says that every day I had to make that decision to continue to die and to have newness of life come into me from Jesus. Because if I allow the old me to be resurrected, I know where that's going to take me. Every day, it has to be just like that first time when you made that decision to follow Jesus. And it's, you have to pray this because it only lasts about 24 hours somehow. But every day you say, Jesus, today I follow you. 
Jesus, today I'm not following after me. I'm not living according to my own knowledge, my own wisdom, my own understanding. I'm not going to follow my own direction for my life. I'm going to follow you. You are the Lord of my life. I need you to keep killing me so that I can continue to receive life from you. God, in every decision I make today, I'm allowing you to direct that decision. Jesus, in every uh, desire that I have, I want you to be the one that puts that desire and that motivation inside of me. Jesus, I need you. Because me doesn't work. In fact, it says this in John uh, 3, 30. I love this. John the Baptist is talking about Jesus. And he says, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. Every day. Because when you made that decision to follow Jesus, he started to become greater inside of your life. But he wasn't as great as he can be. Every day we need to keep saying, Jesus, I need you to be greater in my life. And Jesus, every day, I need to become less and less until it gets to the point of where me isn't there anymore. My life is Christ in me. It has to come to that point. That's why we have to choose to die daily. We have to crucify self. We have to crucify leadership over our own life. We have to submit ourselves to Jesus and the life that he brings us. And then number two, we must crucify my flesh. And that doesn't mean your skin and muscles and you know, fleshy stuff like that. What that talks about in the Bible is it means the carnal desires that every one of us has. That's what it's referring to as the flesh. The appetites that we have. And in Galatians 5.24 it says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified sinful nature with its passions and desires. Now, every one of us, we all have sinful passions and desires of the flesh because that's just the way that the world works. But you didn't always follow Jesus. And there were appetites that you stirred up when you were living for yourself, when you were dominated by sin. And just because you made a decision to follow Jesus doesn't mean that those appetites are automatically gone. Now, I, this is amazing. Like, Americans love fast food. It's, it's just amazing. We do. And like Big Macs and fries, oh my goodness. Even though every one of us would be like, oh, hey, I never eat that stuff. It's disgusting. <laughs> well, like, I think if we went through your trash when you put it out for pickup, we might find some fast food wrappers in there that you might be trying to hide. <laughs> Why? Because even though we know that this brings destruction inside of us and it's going to, you know, cause all kinds of like heart disease and strokes and, you know, diabetes and, you know, overweight, the cancers and all this other stuff, like there's still just an appetite for us from back when we were 12 years old and we could eat everything we wanted and still lose weight. We developed appetites inside of us that continue on, even though we have the knowledge that knows I should not eat this. How many times have you guys started January 1st? Okay, I'm on a new diet. I'm going to exercise, all that stuff. Well, what happens? You don't crucify your flesh enough. And your flesh takes control over you and you go right back to eating butterburgers and fries and everything else is terrible. And then how do you feel after you eat it? I was like, oh, that was so disgusting. I feel terrible. Why did I ever do this? I'm never eating there again. And then you're at Taco Bell drive-thru for breakfast now. <laughs> like, this is going to be a good idea. We have wrong desires in our flesh. Every one of us. And one of the problems that we have is we try to hide it. We try to pretend that we don't have it. We just, you know, we're eating in the dark. I wait for my wife to fall asleep and I'm, you know, pulling out the quesadilla. <laughs> making sure she's not aware. But she can tell I'm getting fatter. Like, I can't hide that fact that I'm less and less healthy as I do. This. People are pointing to each other. That's awesome. 
But if you continue to indulge these wrong appetites, the appetites of the flesh inside of you, it's going to bring destruction inside of your life. You will go right back to the old way of living. The old you comes right back to life. And you're separated from God. You're filled with guilt and shame. And you aren't able to live out the purposes and the plans and the call that God has on you. God has a holy and a righteous call on every single one of us. He says, be holy as I am holy. But for us to live out God's call on us, it means that we're going to have to crucify the flesh. It means that you're going to have to say, I can't do this anymore. Because it doesn't match up to my upward call in Christ. And I know it's just going to bring destruction inside of my life. And the only way to do that is for that old you to be put down. For the old you to die. So that Christ can truly live in you and give you new desires and a new will to live a life that's pleasing to him. That's the call on every single one of us. Is that hard? Absolutely. But it's worth it. In Joshua 24, 15, it says this, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You know, in our culture, it always says that you need to serve your feelings. The only sin in our culture, a hedonistic culture, is to deny your feelings, to deny your desires. You know what? If I followed my desires and my feelings, my life would be a wreck. And I know that because my life used to be a wreck when I used to do that. The proof is there. I had to make that decision one day of this old me and the way that I'm living is no more. I have to leave this behind because the old life is always going to keep me from living out the new life that God has called me to. So today you have to make that decision. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve your feelings and your sinful desires or are you going to serve and follow after Jesus? One way brings blessing, one way brings a curse. One way brings life and one way brings death. One way brings intimacy and knowing Jesus and one way causes distance and separation from your father. Choose this day whom you will serve. And then number three is we have to crucify the world. In Galatians 6.14 it says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, there's always this temptation that we go through to try to fit in. Right? I mean, that's just the way that it goes. But Paul says that the secret to the freedom that I have found is that I have a world filter. I don't allow the world and the culture around me to define who I am. I don't allow them to define my acceptance. I don't allow them to define what's right or wrong through any of the pressures. And this is what happens. And this is what happened for me. When I decided that I wanted to follow Jesus, I had to make a decision that I had to crucify the influence of the world that was around me. Because my friends that hadn't made that decision, they were still living one way. And I knew, like, if I went and continued to hang out with them at their parties and to do things with them, the pressure of that world around me was going to lead me right back into that old way of living. And I had to make that decision of, you know what, there are places that I can't go anymore. There are things that I can't do. There are influences that I can't allow to be influential in my life anymore. And when you make that decision, 
that you're going to live different, people would be like, oh, you think you're holier than me? It's like, no, that's the problem. I'm not holy. <laughs> that's why I'm making this decision because my life's messed up. I need to live in a holy way. And I can't do that because I'm not strong enough to stand up to the temptation and the influences of the world that's around me. And some people say, well, you can't just hide from the world. You can't run away from it. And that's true. But we've been called to be the influencers of the world and the culture around us. And if you find yourself in a situation of where the world around you is influencing you instead of the other way around because you're not strong enough at this point to go into that place, then you need to get out of there. And it was hard because it did mean that I lost some relationships. Some people that I loved and valued and they didn't understand. They thought I was a jerk and mean and didn't care about them. It's like, no, you don't understand. I do care about you. I do love you. But even more than loving you, I'm more concerned about pleasing my heavenly father and living in all that he's called me to. And I'm in no position to minister to you when I'm doing the same stupid things that you're doing. And I'm not here to condemn you about that because that won't do any good. You need to come to the place where you have the realization for yourself that the life you're living isn't what God's called you to and to see the destruction it leads you to. And so there are things that we just had to make that decision of I can't allow the world to be the influence on me that's making me go back to the old way of living. And then the other part of it too is the world also puts pressure on you to try to make you think that God's call on your life isn't good. I mean, and this, I love this too when people are, like, if, do you want to, who are you going to look to for marriage advice? Are you going to look to the Bible and what it says about the Bible? Are you going to go see Fifty Shades of Grey and allow that to be what influences your marriage and your idea of relationships? What are you going to allow to influence you? Are you going to crucify the world and its voice in your life? Or are you going to continue to allow it to be that influence inside of you? I mean, so many of us, the, the culture around us, they won't say, hey, being a Christian is bad or anything like that. What they will do is they'll put pressure on you to make you compromise your beliefs, to compromise what the Bible says so that you can be accepted by the world that's around you. And that's a natural desire that we have. Nobody likes being the person that says, hey, I can't do this anymore because God's called me to something different. And they, all just, they put pressure on you to try to make you change and to come into conformity with the way that the culture around us thinks. They won't be like, hey, you're a bad person or we're going to kill you or something like that. But there's just a cultural social pressure that's put on you. And I see so many people end up compromising what it is that God's called them to, compromising truth that's been revealed to us because they're just so tired of the social and cultural pressure that's being put on them. And that's why Paul says we have to crucify the world. That doesn't mean that we go out there and do anything violent. I'm talking about you yourself, the influence of the world upon you. You guys could take that completely wrong, so please understand. You crucify the influence of the world on you and its ability to dictate the way that you're going to live your life and the way that you're going to find acceptance. Because your acceptance is found in the love of God. Your acceptance is found because you're a son, you're a daughter. Your, your acceptance is found because while you were still far from God, he came and he laid his life down for you. We have to make the decision. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says this, Therefore, come out for them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We have to separate ourselves from the way that the world lives around us. We have to crucify its influence over us. And when we do these things, imagine what your life would be like 
if you are able to break free of that sin issue or the sin issues right now that are holding you hostage, right now you know the life that God's called you to. You've tasted and you've seen his goodness and you want more and more of that. You have a vision of the life that he's called you to, but these sin issues keep popping up and they keep pulling you away because you're not willing to allow Jesus to be Lord or you're not willing to give up the fleshly desires that you have. You're not willing to crucify the influence of the world upon you. And it keeps holding you back and it takes you right back to the old way that you used to live. What if you could break free from that? What if, like in the Romans, it says you could have that freedom to truly live in the call of God on your life, to live in relationship with him, to live in the blessings that he wants to pour out on you? It's available for every single one of us. It just means that we have to die so that we can find life. And this is a challenge I'd issue every one of you. Hey guys, uh, some of you, you need to make that decision for the first time to say, you know what, you're right, this old way of life is not working. And for the first time, I'm going to decide I'm going to follow after Jesus. Or maybe for some of you, you've made that decision already, but you keep getting pulled back to that old life. And it keeps multiplying inside of you, and it keeps separating you from Jesus. Then what you need to do is you need to make that decision that I'm going to die daily to self to my flesh desires and to the world around me. And if you will just take this week, waking up every morning and say, Jesus, today I die again. Would you come and live in me? And I'm going to choose to put my trust in you as you lead me. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for what you've done for us. Jesus, thank you that you laid your life down for us so that we could have new life in you. And Jesus, this morning, we as a people, we want that. And God, we pray that you would stir up faith in us right now to believe that we can live that life that you've called us to. Jesus, we pray that you would speak to every heart this morning. God, that we would hear your voice clearly. Lord, that we wouldn't hear the condemnation of the enemy, but we would hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts. And Jesus, this morning, for every person here, God, we pray that that old us would die and be buried and put away once and for all. And this morning, if that's you and you say, I need to die again, I need to die daily for the first time or maybe you need to make that decision to come out of the sin that you've been living in, to live a life that glorifies God and receives his blessings, then this morning, let's just pray this together. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for the freedom from my sin. Jesus, today I choose to die. Forgive me of my sin. And come live in me. I make you the Lord of my life. I submit all of my desires and passions to you. Break the influence of the world upon me. And strengthen me this day to live a pure and holy life. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.